Unlocking What Was Cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. And that is why Karen the computer is doing 10 years in prison for mail fraud. Wow, that's I like the juxtaposition there. She's computer, she's instead of email, it's mail fraud, but uh, mm-hmm. I like that. Maybe that was plan X, but uh, we're live, Neil. We're live. Oh, well, Mike, thank you so much for joining me today. It's weird. I just actually saw you about six hours ago. We uh, we departed from our annual cottage retreat that we do every year. This was year six, but we've decided now that we're calling it the annual summit. And this is when uh, all of uh, all of our, our good friends, uh, high school friend group, uh, we retreat to a cottage somewhere in Ontario, usually through Airbnb, uh, for a week or, in my case, a couple of nights. And uh, we just unwind, you know, play some games, do some kayaking, do some hiking and swimming. And I thought maybe uh, for today's opening topic, we could uh, maybe just go through the week and some of the, the fun times that we had. Yeah, we had a lot of fun times. I like that you mentioned Airbnb there. Maybe we can get them to be a sponsor. That'd be very nice. Airbnb, if you're mm. listening, you know sponsor this podcast <laughs> that'd be fantastic actually I, I we use them once a year i think i have a pretty high rating on airbnb even though i've only used it to book cottages never actually stayed in a different city and thought i'd stay through airbnb i've always been a hotel guy but no the cottage uh, was fantastic really good time weather was all right i thought we were going to have way worse weather i thought it was going to be like thunder and lightning for a few days but ended up being sunny you introduced me to a new sport though that i've seen played a lot living uh, near the lake here in toronto a uh, very popular game known as spike ball and that was a really fun game to play with the guys uh, basically a game you can probably explain it better than me but basically you have a mini volleyball and a circular net and you're kind of hitting the ball off this trampoline net in order to win yeah that's right it's think of it like volleyball rules but a bunch of people gather around this this trampoline net device you've you've seen it you've you've 100 percent seen someone playing this uh outside at some point in the last three or four years especially definitely during covid when that it got really big uh when we didn't mm. uh, have anything to do inside or uh, we had to go outside during the summer to to be away from the inside uh, germs. Uh, a lot of people were taking up spike ball, playing it, and it's a great game. So much fun, and we got so much better too as the week went on, which was really nice to see, and yeah. um, everyone was enjoying it. I uh, did like that you mentioned the weather because yeah, we did end up having some really nice weather. So uh, it's always um it's always a crapshoot when it comes to Canadian weather. Uh, yeah. Meteorologists, I'm sorry if you're a meteorologist out there listening to this. They they don't know anything. They got nothing. They, 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 they they're just they're just guessing. Just complete darts at the wall. Uh, it feels like sometimes. And um, I mean, we talked about this when we were at the cottage. But I like that in England, or in the UK, where it's you just assume it's going to rain most of the time. I do like where it says ten percent rain, and everyone's just like, it's going to rain for sure. It'll rain today, mm-hmm. and everyone's prepared. We're in Ontario. If you say ten percent rain, there's no way it's raining. No, oh, I almost no, almost zero. And when you see lightning storm all day, it's probably gonna maybe be a little drizzly in the morning and then be totally fine. I probably, I'd honestly maybe prefer it if the weather reports were from now on just like we we all understand it's all fake. I'd rather more like a past report of like how everything was in the last week, just so I can maybe actually see what what hell I just lived through, like what heat, what cold, what how much rain did we get? I do like that though. Like when the they say like you know this is the hottest. I heard that this is like the hottest reported July in like a hundred. 120,000 years, which sounds like a fake statistic right away. Um, but I like stuff like that. I'd prefer, honestly, if the weather people just gave me a bit of a history report, kind of like what we do here. And then they also say like, yeah, and it might be mm. rainy tomorrow. We don't, but we don't know. Ha ha ha. And then it goes on to the sports. 
<laughs> I, 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 th- this is really interesting. Now I got a whole new thing going. What I'm thinking now, mm. Neil, is that we actually have uh, these reporters are basically athletes where we see their stats. Yes. I would love to see what percentage they are in terms of how right they get, you know, then, you know, and, and, and they go up in the minor leagues, like there's like the really kind of crappy weather networks <laughs> for like the small towns. And then they go up to the big leagues, they, they move to New York city and do the big weather there. Like that's, that's uh, they're getting paid millions of dollars to do it. They got like a, uh, they're batting 500, uh, which I feel like would be Whoa, pretty good. That'd be amazing. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. That's probably way too hard. <laughs> Maybe like a, if they're batting 300, like a 300, 300. yeah, 300 would be like, a, like a weatherman gets like, gets it right. 30% of the time. Like, Oh, this guy, this guy's going to be the DH of this, uh, of this network. Let's move him up to the big leagues. <laughs> yeah. I'd love that. They have like a bit of an RBI average. I don't know what all of that would translate to, but maybe if they're correct, I'd say like if they're more correct, like in the winter months when it really matters, like the snow, how much snow we're getting, how cold it's going to be, how much ice, like how much, how much, how many millimeters of rain we're getting, like that type of stuff, like sun and cloud. Mm-hmm. I don't really care so much about it's more the weather that could kill me. Uh, that, uh, that matters more. <laughs> They they also have like a slugging percentage where in baseball slugging percentage is basically like how many hits you're getting that aren't just singles. And so I like yeah. that where it's like singles are basically just like you knew it was going to rain at some point today. But a home run is like you knew at 5 p.m. that it was going to start pouring, but only for 30 minutes. That's right. And you called it seven days away. Yeah. <laughs> I love this. Yes. I would get so invested in watching the weather. I'd have like my uh, Tom mm-hmm. DeLong uh, from uh, Blink-182 when he goes on tour. He watches the San Diego Padres religiously and has his second screen with all the <laughs> stats on it. That's how I would watch the Weather Network. I would have yeah. the Weather Network on one side and then on my other screen, I'd have the stats for whoever was up that day. So, oh, Melissa's up. She's got a pretty good average. Uh, looking bad, <laughs> a little bit of a slump for the last 10 days so far, but let's mm-hmm. see how she does here. Yeah, this guy does better in the summertime, so we're going to watch him. And now we're going to watch this guy. He does better in the winter, so we're going to watch her or whatever and then keep going. I think you could totally do that. You'd have to be – We're making this. <laughs> uh, we'd have to quit our jobs, I think, to do that. I don't know what the market is for uh, weatherman statistics tracking, but I'm sure there's people out there that would get really into it. But the cottage trip, nonetheless, this year, a great success. If anybody out there is listening to this and you've ever thought about booking a cottage with a group of friends or, or anybody like that, definitely look into it and doing it. We've been doing it now for six years, and it's always a good time. Mm-hmm. Typically the same group – same cast of characters that we have going to this thing. We just, you know, you go up there with a couple hundred bucks worth of groceries and pick a restaurant nearby, bring up some games. We, of course, brought up Smash Bros. We brought up our Switch, the PlayStation 5, a bunch of board games and Spike Ball, of course. And uh, yeah, it's a great time. So if you've ever thought about doing it, highly, highly recommend trying it out. It's so good. It's such a great bonding experience, of course, too. You know, when you get the older you get, the harder it is to make time for, uh, for friends. So having the cottage mm-hmm. every year is a really good, like, slot that you can always have that to slot in your your good times with your friends uh which which i love being able to have for sure because it's uh it's definitely my favorite time of year it's definitely the most relaxing mm. vacation i have uh every yeah. year where we just get to kind of sit back just do whatever and just kind of hang out and uh it does really feel like you're uh you're in high school again but only the good parts <laughs> of high school yeah, high school without the class. But Mike, while we've been away, we were sitting in the cottage reading, playing Hot Wheels Unleashed, which I had a ton of fun playing. Our mailbag has been filling up to the brim. So I think that we should probably, I think it's time we should dive into our favorite segment for the first episode of August. That's right, Neil. Oh, it's August. What the hell? Where's summer I know, right? Gone? I hate this. Back to school ads. They're coming. <laughs> they are coming. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the mailbag. mailbag! 
Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to write into the show, you can do so by leaving us a review on any of the podcast networks that you listen to us on, or you can send us a message. We love getting a little bit of feedback on Discord, Facebook, Instagram. We will read your messages on the show, just like Mike, who wrote into us today. Bastian from Poland, who wrote to us with a, a great comment saying that I was meaning to message you guys, thank you for an amazing job. Nintendo was pretty much non-existent in Poland when I was growing up. My only contact with their home consoles was through my German cousins. I had a Game Boy, but the home consoles were always very interesting to me, especially GameCube, since it was the current gen when I was in elementary school, junior high, just like us. And finally, this year, I got uh, my own GameCube with a Game Boy player as a gift, and I can't stop playing it and buying games. And of course, your podcast has become a huge part of my GameCube journey. Keep up the great work, XX. That's something that I definitely never thought about as a kid, was that not every country in the world had what we had. I definitely yeah. take a lot of, especially video games, I take a lot of, of that for granted. And, and sure. I never really th- honestly thought about it until maybe a few years ago when I started to work with people from Saudi Arabia and like any of the Indian, like the Middle Eastern countries, like they just don't have the same the same consoles. They mostly just played PC. And in some cases, like they love Genesis for some reason, just like these really old consoles at most. And mm-hmm. even talking to my cousin a few weeks ago, again, up at a cottage, uh, he grew up uh, in Yemen and like he didn't play GameCube at all because they just it's just not a part of the culture playing video games. There's also a lot of uh, censorship and everything. And it's way it's very expensive to get a console in those countries, too. So just didn't grow up with it. And it's yeah. it's really interesting that folks around the world are are catching our podcast uh, so that we can so that they can live vicariously through us. I think that's a really interesting thing that I honestly did not consider when we started doing this. But uh, thank you so much, Bastion. That's awesome. And we just keep moving GameCube units, Neil. Like we, I'm <laughs> waiting for my commission checks from Nintendo because, like, come on, Ooh, yeah. we need it at this point. Oh, that'd be awesome. Next letter here comes from Lance Whitmer uh, from Spotify on our Freaky Friday episode. Uh, and they say, the Tom DeLong was cool podcast. That's a great idea. <laughs> I made a short gasp when I saw Freaky Friday this week. As a punk fan, I loved the band and listened to Take Me Away regularly. Love the show and stay safe, guys. That's awesome. I'm so yes. glad that Freaky Friday episode, people are resonating with that one. That was a fun episode to record. And Take Me Away, certified banger. Oh, uh, such great tracks on that uh, that album. I uh, got a lot of, we've gotten a lot of good comments from even just our friends about uh, some of our movie episodes like Freaky Friday uh, and as well as The Truman Show, which is really nice to see uh, where some of my friends who maybe didn't get into the gaming side of, uh, of things when we were doing the GameCube was cool. They didn't get into it as much because maybe they didn't have a GameCube. Now they see us doing Freaky Friday and these other movies and, and they're like, wow, this is awesome. This is really cool. Like I I, I kind of uh, forgot about Freaky Friday in a way and and I mean, how could you forget? But uh, but it's so, it's, it's so funny when you bring Bring it back at 20 years later. You're like, yeah, Freaky Friday's awesome. And Tom DeLong podcast uh, was cool podcast. I, I don't know. Not sure if I'd uh, say that he was cool uh, uh, or Ooh. is cool. He's he just Ooh. he just exists. Shots fired. He he exists just like those aliens. I love Tom DeLong. He was definitely cool back in the day. I'd I say. Know, now I know. he's now he's he's interesting. I don't know if cool would be the word for yeah. it, but uh, yeah, that Freaky Friday definitely a, a seminal pop punk film. I would say, starting with a Simple Plan track, of course, and so funny, so serendipitous that we read this on episode twenty three, which we did consider covering. What's my age again? Just for this episode, but uh, alas, we decided to cover a full blown movie. 
what a miss. Oh my God. I forgot. I, <laughs> I forgot about that. It would have been awesome to just cover one song. Maybe one day when we get really good and we can actually like microscopically dissect a song or like a scene from that would be probably irritating as hell to listen to for an hour and a half. But I think we have one more letter in that mailbag, Mike. I'll let you uh, read the last one. It's a short one. It's a short one. Shuma Gorath 7212 uh, uh, from Spotify for the Vice City episode saying, a nice podcast from two nice young men. What a nice young man. We are two nice young men, I like to think. Uh, so uh, <laughs> did, did Marty did Marty say nice a nice young man when he was on for, with Just You? I guess not. Uh, well, he didn't say it. I, I, I'm I pretty sure I recall saying what a nice young man. And then I said, and that is when Mike would say what a nice young man. Because oh, I yes. had to randomly, I've never had to fill in not doing that without you. And I honestly didn't know what to say. It's very weird to say it without you here. Um, but yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad that people think that we are nice young men to, you know, nice, nice young men from Canada here, just talking about video games, music, and movies. And as is tradition, Mike, I think we should probably move into today's, uh, topic of the show, which is a movie. What do you think? Let's do it, Neil. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 23 of the Unlocking What Was Cool podcast, the show about all things retro that we loved from our childhood. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. We are the number one podcast on the internet, hosted by people named Mike and Neil. You can support the show on patreon.com forward slash unlocking what was cool. Supporters at the $5 level get to submit a topic and vote for our monthly Patreon elected episode. Last week, we talked about Pokemon Red and Blue, our Patreon elected episode. If you haven't already, go back and check it out. This week, we are talking about an amazing animated movie from our childhood that was basically the magnum op opus for Nickelodeon TV shows being translated to the movie theaters back in the day. Everybody loved SpongeBob, the second when it came to, in our case, YTV when we were kids back in 1999. And everyone was super excited when we finally got the first full-length feature film in theaters. I am, of course, talking about the SpongeBob SquarePants movie, which released in November 19th, 2004, directed by Stefan Hillenberg, produced by Stefan Hillenberg and Julia Pister, clocks in at 87 minutes, beautiful, box office of $141.1 million on a $30 million budget, rates a 6.8 critically and 7.8 from the audience on Rotten Tomatoes, and this is a live action slash animated adventure comedy film, and of course based on the Nickelodeon classic cartoon Spongebob Squarepants. Mike, we've talked a lot about Spongebob over the years through games and, and I guess just passing conversation. What are your memories of Spongebob? and the Spongebob Squarepants movie from back in the day. Oh man, I mean, this was everything. I mean, this this was the equivalent of the, the Pokemon movie when that came out, same kind of uh, hype for me watching that it, uh, because when Spongebob, the movie came out, we were 11 years old and this was just the absolute peak time of Spongebob for us. Uh, we were super into the shows and so were every, really everyone else our age. Uh, like the, the episodes were and still are amazing and still extremely funny. We we had so much merch too. We had little SpongeBob figures. We had plushies. We had shirts. Uh, SpongeBob was everywhere for sure. And uh, you know, it had been five years since SpongeBob started. I don't think we were watching it in like '99, but we were certainly watching it from a pretty early age. So it, it's it's pretty rare when you are are lucky enough, I guess, to be in the middle of something when you're uh, and like you're extremely mm -hmm. in the middle of something, and then that something puts it's like, yeah, Magnum Opus out. It's like best thing it can do. Like I think of Pokemon in that way as well, right? Where we're like just so into the cards at seven years old and then Pokemon 2000, 
you know, comes out or stuff like that. Like it just was perfect timing. And for a kid at, at that in that era, that's all you could ever want. And that's all we could ever want for SpongeBob. Like seeing this movie, I saw it in theaters. I'm not a hundred percent sure who I saw it with. I know my dad was there because I remember certain parts of the movie that my dad laughed at, which is <laughs> funny when you go back and think about it. Uh, and I'll, I'll point them out as we go through the, um, go through the plot and everything here. But I, I saw it with friends. I maybe saw, did I see it with you? Do we know that? No, this I didn't is, see this. this is... I didn't see this film and I did not see this film in theaters. So no, we did okay, not see it go. together. Yeah. Saw it with some loser kid probably. <laughs> <laughs> who, so, who also had to get their dad to drag them uh, to it. But yeah, it's, um, uh, it, I, I vividly remember seeing it. I remember my dad thinking it was like a SpongeBob movie. What the, okay. All right, let's go see this thing. <laughs> um, and, and you know, what a joy seeing it in theaters was, was so much fun. And, and I, I'm pretty sure I got the DVD as well. And, but for me, it wasn't even that I'd say, I mean, the, the, obviously the theater experience was really important, but for you and, and me, uh, for me and you, it was the game that, that really cemented, uh, this, this, uh, theater going experience, uh, and, and watching the movie over and over again, because the game actually did a really good job as we talked about on the GameCube was cool podcast episode of SpongeBob. The, the game, the GameCube game, or just the game did a fantastic job of taking what was great about the movie and putting it into a game. And I had the Game Boy Advance as well as then playing the GameCube, uh, version they're both such really fun games to play when at a time when movie tie-ins were mostly awful. So that really helped, I think, cement that movie, at least for me, as as one of my favorite movies of that era. That's awesome. I, I definitely, uh, I should back up. We will definitely cover the SpongeBob first three seasons on this podcast at some point. Um, yes. So point. I won't go too much into my history with SpongeBob back in the day, but I, I don't remember. It was May 1st, 1999 is the first kind of official air date of SpongeBob. I can't say for certain if I watched it on that particular day, but I definitely remember uh, summer of grade one uh, going. It would have been summer between grade kindergarten and grade one. I can certainly remember watching SpongeBob on YTV, uh, my friend getting VHS tapes of the episodes. So I can pretty much say that I was pretty close to being at the beginning. I'm a day oneer uh, in terms of a SpongeBob fan. Um, and it's it's very much like we talked about last week with Pokemon, where one day SpongeBob wasn't here and the next day SpongeBob was everywhere. Uh, SpongeBob backpacks, shoes, t-shirts, pencil cases, toys. And the video games took a little bit of time to get to, into our hands, especially. Like there are some SpongeBob games that came out before the movie did. I think there was mm-hmm. one on, I think it's Game Boy Color. There, there's like a random SpongeBob oh. Game Boy Color game. I never played it, but uh, I, I might be I might be ha- thinking of a different cartoon. Um, but between 1999 and 2004, SpongeBob was in regular rotation in our house. Uh, it was usually on around the time uh, as Pokemon. It would usually go, I think, from Pokemon. Maybe you'd have a Digimon thrown in there at some point, and then SpongeBob basically was was there, and then some other Nickelodeon shows thrown in there too eventually, like Fairly Odd Parents, uh, and and this was t- towards the tail end of uh, Hey Arnold and Rugrats going to a close. So uh, SpongeBob was kind of the last of the the big '90s Nickelodeon franchises that carried into the 2000s, where we started to get other 2000s Nickelodeon cartoons like Danny Phantom, and and later on other stuff when which is mm-hmm. when we probably started to age out of it, but. 
Um, I was definitely very excited for the SpongeBob movie. And the SpongeBob movie is one of those movies where I don't know why my parents didn't take me to see it in theaters. It might have just been bad timing. I'm not sure. It's the same thing with the first Star Wars film. Like I was a huge Star Wars kid, even at the age of uh, five or six when when Phantom Menace came out. But I waited until it came out on VHS. Um, So it's fine. They eventually, when it did come out on DVD, did get the movie on DVD first. I remember my mom taking me to Zeller's. Uh, near our house, we, we went down to Zeller's and, uh, DVD and VHS releases used to be a really cool deal, especially in Zeller's. They'd have a huge display, big cardboard cutouts that, you know, all the yellow SpongeBob yellow, big cardboard thing with all the, you see all those DVDs and VHS is lined up on the case. And it's so exciting. You go and pick up your copy and, uh, brought it home. And I, I love that movie right away. Uh, from start to finish. I used to watch it all the time with you at my house and uh, another friend of ours that we, or a friend of mine at least that I had as a kid who don't know him anymore, but also named Daniel. Um, <laughs> we've had not Dan Kerr, somebody else, but uh, used to watch it with him a lot. We watched SpongeBob together a lot too. Uh, and I used to watch that movie on repeat. It's so short. Like I said, right away, right off the top, it's an 87 minutes. So an hour and 20, maybe an hour and 25, once you take out the, uh, the credits and whatnot. Um, so you could watch it once or twice a day. And in some cases I have done that. Um, and the jokes are hilarious. Um, the animation was cool. I was really happy that they brought in all the original voice actors. And this was one of the first movies that I could think of that I had seen where I had first watched the cartoons and then it was translated to a film and not like a live action film. Like I was thinking about this today. Like I, I obviously, I love the live action Scooby-Doo films. Um, but those are not the cartoon. Uh, those are, uh, they're, they're, a ver- they're a version of Scooby-Doo brought to the, 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 the big screen with actors and CG and everything. This is very much sure. a long SpongeBob cartoon. The closest thing I could think of to that might have been something like Space Jam. Um, but again, not quite the same because you're throwing in Michael Jordan and everything. This movie only really throws in one live action character and it's more towards the end. This This felt like just a long SpongeBob episode, which... I, I had no context or any frame of reference of what that could possibly be. And as it turns out, it's a it's a terrific film. It stars all of the main cast of the show. You've got Tom Kenny as SpongeBob, uh, Bill, I can never say his last name right. Is it Fagger Bake? Fagger? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> as Patrick, uh, Clancy Brown as Mr. Krabs, mm-hmm. Mr. Lawrence as Plankton, Roger Bumpass as Squidward, uh, Jeffrey Tambor as King Neptune, and uh, King Neptune being a new character, as well as his daughter Mindy, played by Scarlett Johansson, who was only 20 at the time, very young. This is, yeah. what, four or five years pre-Iron Man, so she's quite young. Uh, and Dennis the Hitman, who was played by Alec Baldwin. So a mix of your favorite uh, returning characters from the show, in addition to some pretty big-name actors, including David Hasselhoff, who is uh, big off of Baywatch, being the uh, sort of lifeguard, live, the only live-action character <laughs> that you see in the whole movie, aside from the giant Cyclops uh, scuba diving character. And that cast of characters very much became a uh, like a, an earworm for me as a kid. I could I can voice all of the lines. I know every word off the top of my head. Even watching it with you at the cottage in preparation for this episode, I was mouthing the words to every single line because I've just oh, yeah. seen this movie so much and the jokes still hit. So yeah, that's kind of my my where I was with the SpongeBob movie back in the day and uh, where I am now. Uh, it's just a perfect film, uh, like a crescendo to the uh, the SpongeBob franchise, which had been building for for five years. Very, very good payoff. And a big shout out to Stefan Hillenberg, who we are very big fans of. Of course. I mean, Stefan Hillenberg created this entire universe uh, 
the classic animator slash marine biologist. I, I love that so much every <laughs> time because it's like, yeah, this is exactly what happens. You put these two degrees together and you get SpongeBob. Just a just a, such a, a funny cartoon, especially back in the day. And yeah, like you said, this was supposed to be the send off for SpongeBob uh, itself. Uh, and and uh, Stefan was he did not want to do well. He never really wanted to do the movie as well. That was the whole thing, right? Um, and so then finally did relent after f- five five years, I guess, and made the movie and wanted it to be the last episode. Yeah, he uh, he very much wanted SpongeBob to be basically. I think it was sixty episodes between season one, two, and three. About sixty sounds right. And then ending off with the movie, and he wanted it to end there. And he tried to leave. He actually did. He he be he was the showrunner and director for the longest time, and uh, he he left. He uh, left the franchise to his kind of second in command, and he eventually came back in 2015 as a producer. And I remember that specifically in 2015 when he came back onto the show. And people like our friends, like our peers, were actually very excited by that news because we thought SpongeBob was going back to the roots. It was going to go back to the way it used to be. Do you remember that? Like that vibe around the franchise? I do. Yeah. Uh, there, there was a, there's a spark of hope, and he also, I don't know if he directed the the 2015 movie, but he certainly had a hand in it. I think um, he also produced but, that one too. He was like an executive yeah. producer of the uh, the sequel in 2015, SpongeBob, yeah. Sponge Out of Water, or SpongeBob Hero, something to do with a hero, and I forget what it was called now. But yeah, yeah. you're right. Yeah, and so so it, we we do owe a huge debt to him just because he. Uh, did such a great job with this and, and really did push the creati- creativity over the business model, which is something that you really don't see anymore. So, like, mm-hmm. huge shout-out uh, to Stefan on that one. The fact that um, that he died a couple of years ago in 2018 of uh, cancer, obviously super, super sad. Uh, and, you know, he's just had a, a, a amazing life of what he's been able to do as well, uh, working on his his initial kind of comic books with the, the inner title zone, which basically became SpongeBob. But he... Also worked as an animator on uh, uh, Rocco's Modern Life. Was a, the director there? Uh, he, I know he worked on a bunch of other little shows that were on at the time. Uh, of course, uh, he got a lot of inspiration for SpongeBob from uh, the Ween album, The Mollusk. <laughs> yeah, if, if you're listening to this and you don't know that album, please go on Spotify. Which you probably don't. <laughs> you probably don't. You you definitely know Ocean Man because that's the the Ocean Man. That's the ending song of this uh, this movie. So they took that. He took that song, obviously, from uh, Ween's album, The Mollusk, but it's such a weird album, that one, 1997. <laughs> it's weird. It's, you might only have to listen to the first song and Ocean Man on the record, but if you listen to the first track, I can't remember the name of it now, but you can definitely hear like a SpongeBob-like voice in that song. It's really strange listening to it now. It's very strange, and... and- it's he had a, a quite an eclectic taste for music too. Like I, I think it's the lead singer of the Germs. I think does uh, do the Sponge oh, okay. uh, as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. like and, and like so so just uh, which is also kind of a a bit of a weirder you know eighties punk band. Like I feel like he 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 probably had a sick vinyl collection. You know, <laughs> when I'm thinking about it for sure. Oh yeah. But um but yeah the the longevity of the the franchise really can't be understated. Fourth longest running cartoon of all time, uh, behind uh, South Park, Pokemon, and Simpsons. Uh, Thirteen seasons now over. 270 episodes, three movies, 45 video games, uh, countless collections of books, VHS. There's the Broadway musical as well, which was fantastic. Amusement park attractions, toys, clothing, CDs, snacks. So, Mm -hmm. so much more. And uh, and that really did lead into the movie there, uh, Hillenburg, restraining. Uh, from all that capitalist pressure that yeah. was on him, from all these things being uh, uh, being thrown at him, finally. 
making the movie, but he did restrain initially, not just because of all that pressure, but because the rise of cinematically impressive animated films that were coming out mm-hmm. in the 90s that we think of Iron Giant, Toy Story 1 and 2, uh, and and it's a really tough thing to do, especially with him and the entire crew being a very creatively focused crew who want to make something great instead of just making a couple bucks from Paramount. You know, they want to make something that was that w- that would do the whole series justice uh, rather than a 75 minute episode of jellyfishing and Krabby Patties. <laughs> and, you know, to honestly, everyone's shock, like they did it. They pulled it off. And mm-hmm. there's a lot to to dive into with that, no pun intended, uh, of, of how they were able to to actually pull that off and and so yeah, I think Neil, do you want to do you want to start going on the plot here? Let's just start from from day one. Yeah, from day one, the plot. And again, if you haven't seen the movie, pause this podcast. We will be going through a lot of spoilers. Obviously, what it's are you qu- doing if you haven't? If you haven't seen this movie, what are you doing with your life? It's on Netflix, at least here in Canada. It's an hour and a half in and out. You can watch it while you're eating dinner. It's going to be a great time and come back and listen to us gush about it for another hour. And it starts off with uh, it actually kind of diverts your expectations. You think you're mm-hmm. going in to watch a SpongeBob animated, fun loving. You know, you got the the pirate face and the talking fish, but no, it starts off with a live action pirate. Uh, scene. I don't know what to call it, really. But at first, yeah. I'm sure a lot of people thought they were probably watching the wrong film because you've got this <laughs> this weird group of pirates uh, in the middle of the ocean, and one of them's found this treasure, and we find out that the treasure is, uh, for some reason, buried at the bottom of the ocean. Tickets to see the SpongeBob movie. And this is like peak pirate era as well when you think about it right uh pirates of the mm-hmm. caribbean just came out the year before yeah it did and like pirates of the caribbean and then we also had i remember this time being very heavy on peter pan too for some reason like hook was uh, pretty yep. big still with robin williams and there was even a peter pan remake but yeah pirates were a big deal so i'm sure a lot of people thought they were probably accidentally had walked into pirates <laughs> of the caribbean which is awesome <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> that would have been it's funny. It's very much like the starting off with live action uh, or like just different animation style. Uh, I mean, the first thing I thought of watching this again was the Digimon movie <laughs> with Angela Anaconda. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it would have been awesome if they actually switched it with Anna- Angela Anaconda. That would have been great. Um, but then it quickly gets into more of a uh, SpongeBob theme. I-, I got vibes of like the Patchy the Pirate episodes when the um, the episodes would start off <clears throat> on Patchy's kind of reality home uh, Mr. Mm-hmm. Rogers set. Uh, a bit like that. And the pirates go, they they board their, they, uh, they I guess, dock their ship, luckily, right next door to a movie theater. That's a very conveniently located mm-hmm. movie theater. And they all rush rush in. And luckily, there's two rows in the front uh, just for the pirates. And I got to say, Mike, if I was in that theater, I would have been pissed. <laughs> I would have been so pissed. These guys are just screaming. They yeah. have large hats on, so you can't see if you're behind them. They got popcorn flying everywhere. And and this is one of the parts of the movie that I remember my dad laughing really hard at of mm-hmm. of, of, of all the pirates just in the front row. And I'm like, why is this funny? It's ridiculous. Like, as a kid. <laughs> it's ridiculous, but you can tell right away, like, this is going to be a fun movie. Like, it's made by yeah. people who know the source material. They're, they're having fun. It's going to be a good time. And that's when the, the movie starts off, as we would expect with the animated the the narrator talking about uh ah, the sea you know the guy and we uh, pan down as most episodes started off and uh things are not looking too good in bikini bottom uh it seems as though at the crusty crab there's a uh a customer there who got a burger with no cheese and spongebob goes in to uh to alleviate the situation i guess and it's kind of like a uh i don't know what this was supposed to be like a an homage to but basically it was set up like a bomb defusal uh like a cop show or something yeah, it is an homage to an '80s show uh, or '80s movie. I I I, I forget which one at the uh, at the moment, but yeah, it was a, a lot of things in in SpongeBob SquarePants the movie. Uh, 
are references to something else. It's a very mm-hmm. postmodern movie for sure. Yeah, it is, uh, especially with the music later on we'll talk about for sure. Uh, and this ends up being, of course, a dream. Uh, SpongeBob is not, of course, the manager of the Krusty Krab. This has kind of been a goal of his for the last five years since the show came out. He's uh, he's always been a fry cook. Of course, he doesn't have his license. He, uh, he never really gets what he wants in terms of being uh, a manager at the Krusty Krab. And that's sort of the underlying plot in this film is that he wants to become a man and a manager, the, the, the two things that kind of keep coming up throughout. And uh, today's the day of the unveiling of the Krusty Krab 2. And as a kid, I didn't find this part as funny, but as an adult, I find it so much more funny that Mr. Krabs opened up a restaurant right next to the original. And it just, it's so hilarious because that's a real thing now. Like you see Starbucks and Subways side by side and it's like, you know, the Perch Perkins asks him, you know, what, what motivated you to open up a a crusty, a new crusty crab right next to the original money. (laughs) Money. (laughs) And it's like, that is, that is just exactly like it's, it's, it, it wasn't as big at the time, like those restaurants being next to each other, but now you see it all the time and it's like, damn, SpongeBob predicted this. SpongeBob did predict. It's like The Simpsons predicts. SpongeBob predicts. Yeah, SpongeBob predicted that there would be a Starbucks on every corner and there'd be a subway, two subways in every mall. That's basically what Mr. Krabs was trying to do with uh, with money. I mean, you know, I get it. Mr. Krabs, he's 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 a capitalist at heart. He just wants his money. He just wants his growth. But yeah, uh, at least he's honest. Uh, <laughs> At least he's honest. Um, Really great scenes at the beginning there. It is a dream, uh, unfortunately, for SpongeBob uh, when he wakes up there and he does his whole routine. And one thing I really like about the whole opening, now that we're actually in the movie, is that you don't have to have seen SpongeBob to understand and and enjoy this movie. Yeah, like you'd think a lot of these movies, they spend the first 15 to 20 minutes getting people up to date on on every character whereas with this one uh within the first i would say 15 minutes you you're introduced to if you haven't seen the the show for whatever reason you're introduced to spongebob you know he's like this super positive character you know squidward is this super negative character you know mr krabs is a a huge capitalist and you know plankton (laughs) is this underperforming competitor of mr krabs who wants to steal the krabby patty formula and then from there you're, you're kind of on your own and that's all you need that's all the information that you need and they managed to do that by giving each character not a lot of dialogue like that's not other than patrick and spongebob i guess having their interactions at the beginning squidward mr krabs and plankton don't say much in the first 10 minutes of the film no other than and kicks him out of his window right out of his bedroom window yeah it's a great interaction yeah and then you find spongebob finds out you know he's very eagerly anticipating this big promotion a lot like i'm sure a lot of folks out there could uh could relate to he's you know he's worked really hard for as we, we did the math he's been employee of the month at the crusty crab for i believe it's 472 months which we did some math and it's 31 years he's been at the crusty crab yet spongebob's age is what, 20? He's supposed to be uh, in his 20s. In the... So, uh-huh. yeah, that uh, he's been working since he was like negative eight. So that's, uh, that's I don't know how the I don't know how the life of a sponge works, but the math there didn't really quite make sense. I thought it was funny. I thought maybe they could have maybe toned down the number there a little bit, but he definitely is deserving of the manager job. But we find out that uh, he didn't get it. Uh, the, the job was awarded to Squidward, who didn't even want it. And I feel like good that happens lesson. in real life. <laughs> it is a good life lesson. Sometimes people get promoted to jobs that they don't even want them. And uh, the person that really wanted it doesn't get it. And this is a theme in this film that like, I was like, man, this is interesting that they put this into a kid's film, like employment uh, politics and uh, and yeah, the uh, the downside of, uh, I guess, expectations at a job. Yeah. <laughs> really yeah, weird. It's it it a little dark for sure. A <laughs> little bit, a little bit. Get so dark. SpongeBob gets so depressed that he uh, he has to drown his sorrows in ice cream, which uh, this classic scene, I know you really enjoy it. The uh, goofy goober ice cream party boat. 
I'm a goofy goober, yeah. Yeah. Goofy goober. The, the, whole, yeah. the whole scene is, is so good, and, and this is oh, another man. scene that I associate with the game as well, and platforming in the goofy mm-hmm. goober level and, and collecting all the ice creams and stuff. It's, it's such a great way to kind of showcase again very adult things you know you yeah you have a tough time you go out with your buddy drinking <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and for them instead they're just eating massive things of ice cream uh the employee there is in the goofy goober costume uh, with like the net on his on his head and just doing there's something about the animation of the fish when they don't look happy or even squidward like that just hits me so hard that deadpan, dead, like just dead, their eyes are kind of mildly squinted. Their face is not happy at all. It's a, gr- it's perfect. The animation of those faces. It's so good. I don't know why they they do it so much better than other, other shows. But yeah, I love the the the, the bartender. You could call him basically there. He's like, yeah. why do I always get the nuts? <laughs> While he's making the ice cream, it's such a good scene. They're draw- they're getting slowly there. They go from happy to really like basically aggressive and violent. In the, <laughs> yeah, and I guess they, I guess they <laughs> exactly like they don't they don't show it, but I guess they kind of trash the place because SpongeBob and Patrick wake up. Tables and chairs have been flipped. Like they, things are broken uh, when they wake up at eight o'clock in the morning the next day. I, I also question the the hours of this ice cream bar. Why are they open all night? Why is uh, this an all night ice cream bar? Why is they, <laughs> I mean, you do you, I guess, in the bikini bottom, but that was a bit of a weird thing. <laughs> but yeah, the uh, the way SpongeBob looks the next day, he's got that five o'clock shadow, which makes me think maybe he is in his uh, in his fifties. Who knows? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can't pull off a, an overnight shadow like right? that. Maybe I would if I ate all sc- ice cream all night. But while all this was going on, while they've been partying, Plankton has been up to his evil scheme of uh, trying to steal the Krabby Patty formula, as he's always doing, and trying to rule the world. I guess as a as a I guess plan, not plan B, but as the second part of his plan. And part of that plan means stealing King Neptune's crown and framing Mr. Krabs for it. This is a very well thought out plan, I will I will say. Compared to the yeah. plans that he had in the show, this is by far, in a way, the best. And I guess that's because he thought alphabets went A to Y, forgetting all about the best plan Z, which was in his file folder. Big miss on there. I mean, come on. He should have known. He should have. He should have known that there's Z at the end. He did go to college, as he always said in the I show, that he to went college. to college. <laughs> <laughs> that was like his famous catch line for a little bit there. Um, but uh, SpongeBob shows up to work the next day, really upset at Mr. Krabs, says some bad things in front of King Neptune. And uh, King Neptune, obviously thinking Mr. Krabs has stolen the crown, uh, freezes Mr. Krabs and uh, gives SpongeBob, Patrick, and not Squidward because he backs out of the whole thing. I love six that. Days to re- <laughs> uh, it was so good. Just pass, like walks out of the, uh, the whole, the, walks out of the restaurant with his bags, throws his hat on the ground. Uh, SpongeBob and Patrick need to go to Shell City, which uh, I guess is uh, very far away, uh, in order to get the crown back, which uh, will then save their boss. And I guess SpongeBob will hope to become manager if he does all that. Yeah, I think that that is his hope, and I, I do like that that we now finally get another city other than Rock Bottom in this uh, yeah. in this world because it seems like it's just Bikini Bottom and and maybe Rock Bottom, which uh, seems to maybe still exist. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rock Bottom is still there. We get to see another trench. Uh, but yeah, they do introduce a few new settings in the sh- in this movie, which mm-hmm. I thought was interesting. We see very briefly King Neptune's castle. Uh, I don't think I was trying to I mean, none of the episodes that I had seen, at least after this movie, I don't know if they ever went back to the King Neptune Mindy uh, characters at all. Definitely. I don't think Dennis came back. 
Um, but uh, yeah, we got to see that as a new setting. We understand now there's this uh, Shell City, which sounds like a really rough and tumble place. Uh, SpongeBob and Patrick, they take the paddy wagon, uh, which Mr. Krabs has for promotional reasons. I love that one <laughs> yeah. little line there. Mr. Krabs uses it for, for promotional reasons, but this feels like a special situation. Uh, and they use that paddy wagon to uh, drive as far as possible to Shell City as they can. I love the paddy wagon idea. This this drivable uh, hamburger. I'm sure someone has probably made it at some point oh, in yeah. real life. Uh, this this just brings me right back to the game. Yes. The, uh, the driving levels. The, the paddy wagon driving levels, which were so much fun. Um, yeah, uh, I love that part when they drive out and they basically go out to go get gas from this gas station. And as soon as they pass the county line, uh, a thug steals the paddy wagon from them right away. <laughs> what does he say? He's like, so hand good. it over. And then, oh, okay. Out of the car, fellas. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah that's right. Out, out of the car, yeah. fellas. Let's go. <laughs> I love, yeah. there's, there's something about that deadpan humor that SpongeBob does. That's so, <laughs> so good. And so funny. Yeah. Cause it holds up really well today's and and it's great for adults watching too and i i laugh so hard at that little line <laughs> it's 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 just their childhood optimism that's just contrasted <laughs> by the realities of this dark world just beyond their uh their safety of bikini bottom it's awesome i i also do want to want to point out go, go back going back to king neptune and mindy mm-hmm. uh, i mean lo- a lot of questions arise for me for 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 king neptune um why is there a medieval court here in in what seems to be present day <laughs> Uh, not a hundred percent sure what's going on there. Where where it's these, a monarchy, Bikini it, Bottom. It's it's a it's a it's a very old monarchy where the the crown polisher gets executed or almost executed. Uh, uh stuff going on here. Where's Mindy's mother? You know, the queen. Does she exist mm. at some point. What's the backstory here? Why have we not heard of a King Neptune at all in the in the three seasons before? Yeah. Uh, th- 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 there's a there's a couple holes if you look for it, but but that's not what the movie's about. It's not not about looking for for holes. And and I do obviously do want to give a shout out to the voice actors there. Uh, Jeffrey Tambor, who is a great great actor. I love Jeffrey Tambor. Mm. He's he's never a, a a big name in a movie. He's always a secondary character i feel but he he's got such an iconic voice and the way he he acts is so perfect for to be that kind of secondary character he's great in arrested development as uh as their dad um he's in a bunch of other things he was in um this movie that i love the death of stalin where he plays basically like just a bumbling russian diplomat and and he's so good at it, and he's very good at those kind of bumbling rules, and and uh, with some authority, which is perfect for for with King Neptune. Uh, so I love love that they casted him as that. And then Scarlett Johansson does an okay job, I think, in a movie with a lesser cast. I wouldn't really have noticed her um, as much in terms of like her voice acting, but in this one, there there's a couple times where she's a little flat in her deliveries uh, compared to. Uh, especially when she's talking to Jeffrey Tambor, like who he's like super animated, and and she there's times that d- does feel like she's a bit like just kind of reading it off, which is whatever. Mm-hmm. It's fine. It's it's not a huge part, but um, that's the only thing that I notice as an adult watching this. Yeah, I actually didn't know it was her until very recently, maybe a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. I honestly didn't notice it because she was, like I said at the beginning, there she was twenty, I think, at the time of recording this uh, this movie, so she hadn't done a ton of films yet. She hadn't hit it big with Marvel. I remember, I think her first film was like Home Alone 3. Well, there's Lost like in Translation, which which I think was I like the year before where she played a, that was probably her like breakout role in terms of like an adult. Uh, and then she was in Ghost World as well, mm. where she's like 14 maybe in it. Okay. Um, but yeah, so she, she hadn't done like, yeah, Marvel level 
stuff for sure, but she had done smaller things, and, and, and I do also like that they went with, like, Jeffrey Tambor or Scarlett Johansson, like, not these huge voices, like, or huge actors that honestly would have taken away from the movie. Like, neither one of them, and even Alec Baldwin, none of them took me out of it at all. No. No, I definitely didn't notice Alec Baldwin in the film. I don't think I knew that until researching for this episode. No, yeah. Uh, he's, he, he covers up his voice very well, almost does like a Dark Knight kind of thing, where he's 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 meant to be like this Terminator character. He's like a, a bounty hunter that I guess Plankton hired somehow, which I, I would love how to know how that transaction... <laughs> I, would have, I would have honestly preferred if this movie was maybe two minutes longer, and we got to see Plankton hiring Dennis. I think that would have been a hilarious scene to have these two very evil-sounding characters interact with each other that would have been awesome um but going back to scarlett johansson i do have to give her a bit of a shout out because she did seem to really be into this role she even reprised her role in the video game i think uh on top of the original characters from the cartoon like tom kenny and uh mr lawrence and um all the other ones i think she was the only one of the three extra Hmm. characters who came back that is her in the game. You can tell it's good. the same character. So she did like to lend her voice to the video game as well. And she's not a trained voice actress. No. So I don't know if she had many other roles like this after this film. Was a bit of a weird choice, but they, I guess they had to pick a teenager character. I'm kind of surprised that they didn't pick anybody from one of the live action Nickelodeon shows of the time or another Nickelodeon show or something. It seemed like a bit of a, ra- a strange choice, but it kind of works now. I can't imagine it any other way. That's for sure. If they had switched it, it it's hard to watch that movie thinking of anybody else. But yeah, on with the plot. They, the SpongeBob and Patrick, they are on their adventure. They're now without the paddy wagon. Uh, they go on to a, a bar where they find their car parked outside, and it's this rough tugboat bar filled with big thugs. I think there's a ZZ Top playing over the radio when oh, they uh, when they go in. Motorhead, sorry, it's Motorhead. You're right, playing over the uh, the PA system, <laughs> and they have to steal their the key from the guy that stole their car first time around. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have this really random bubble blowing scene, and uh, the, the the people in the bar very much anti bubbles for some reason. I love <laughs> it's such a classic scene, just all bubble blowing. Will double be. babies will be beaten senseless by every able bodied patron in the bar. Bar and uh, but yeah, the one guy slowly <laughs> behind. It's such a good scene, and they're like interrogating people, trying to figure out who blew the bubbles and everything and there are other people in the bar that blew the bubbles and that's how spongebob and patrick make their escape and and get the car back and this is a very good level in the video game as well uh it's a level when you're fighting thugs and you're just trying to get your key back and uh yeah really cool scene great setting and another place that we don't get to see from the show yeah oh it's 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 so fun it's such a good just like uh, uh, another like more adult thing in the dive bar you know in the in the tough area and we do have a bit of that in the show with um when Sponge- SpongeBob is trying to get into that club, uh, yeah, I forget uh, what's it. I forget what's not called. the Rusty Nail. Uh, it might be the Rusty Nail. That's yeah. Okay, we'll go with that. We'll go with the Rusty Nail for now. You keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> so when he goes tries to go to the bar, and and that's a great little scene too. And it's like Sandy's like pretty tough, and and SpongeBob's not tough, and and then you have the um uh, the lookalike SpongeBob. <laughs> Who goes in? Yeah. I'm a drifter. Just rolled into town. <laughs> salty pulls... Splatoon. That's what it's called. Salty Splatoon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Splatoon, um, not Splatoon. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. That was a, a Freudian slip. <laughs> salty yeah, Splatoon. Yeah. Um, a lot like that, though. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what that reminded me of right away. And I think probably mm-hmm. that that guy is the same voice because... Uh, obviously, so. there's a bunch of these uh, voice actors on SpongeBob who do all the different fish in the sea, all the different ones. But uh, yeah, they um, they do eventually go out and uh, they get uh, they get a little sad because they realize that they are not men um, when they get chased by after they get chased by uh, uh, this big 
weird looking fish with the grandma in its tongue that scene really yeah. freaked me out neil and when i was a kid yeah the free ice cream scene where they have to stop along the way they get their car back they get uh lured into basically a deep sea fish's lair kind of thing yeah. you can see all the bones lying around that scene is somewhat terrifying and i was trying to think like where did this come from because but spongebob did have some pretty creepy shows like you see you know spongebob rip his head off in one of the episodes like you you get his skin pulled off in some episodes oh, you yeah. see his beating heart like there, there are some like horrific scene scenery imagery in spongebob over the years so i guess it's not too out of the ordinary to expect something along those lines in the uh in the movie uh it's got this really creepy cat in its mouth too that it yeah. uh, the old lady has a cat living in this this fish it's a really strange scene um the fish chases spongebob and patrick off of a cliff uh that fish gets eaten by a bigger fish <laughs> a little bit of a almost like a callback to uh qui-gon Jin. there's always a bigger fish <laughs> it honestly reminded me of that like the uh, phantom menace kind of scene yeah and yeah, SpongeBob and Patrick, they gave up at that point. They realized that they are not men. They are kids. Uh, no one expects anything great of them. Mindy comes and uh, kind of does a, she gives yeah. her mermaid magic to give them mustaches. Where the hell did she come from? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. She showed up on her like seahorse carriage. And uh, I don't know why at this point, I honestly wondered at this point, kind of like a little bit of a Lord of the Rings thing where why don't you just give the ring to the eagles? I kind of thought, why didn't you just make Mindy go out and do this? If she can travel... <laughs> All this way, it took them days to get to that, yeah. that cl- cliff. It took her apparently an hour, and she had to just get back home. It's like, okay, so you could have just gone to Shell City then and done this. Yeah, cool. Uh, that is a, that is another one of those plot holes, I guess. But you know, yep. plot device had to have had to have somebody come in. I kind of would have preferred at this point maybe for someone like from the show to have shown up, maybe someone from like a past episode. But you had to have probably used someone, an existing character that you had already established at this point in mm. the film. But SpongeBob and Patrick with those kelp mustaches, that was a bit of an icon for a while. Like that look was on. I remember that being on like t-shirts and posters and everything, the look of the manly men, SpongeBob and Patrick. Yeah, it's true, right? Yeah, that was a very, that was, like, were they promoting it with that, I guess, maybe? Yeah, that was kind of the promotional material, just them, yeah, being, I guess, this is like pre-meme culture, too, where uh, I guess they they were in charge of what became a meme, and oddly enough, this movie gave us the shocked Patrick meme. Yes, it did. A lot of people remember, maybe that was like 2015, 2016, when that became popular. Uh, That face came from this movie. Um, SpongeBob is very much a memeable franchise. The faces, the the lines, the music used all over TikTok and Reddit and everything. People make memes out of those faces all the time. To this day, there are new ones being made out of old episodes, which I love. That's kind of part of the longevity of the show. It's not so much the 270 plus episodes. It's the memes that people make out of the faces. Oh, yeah. And it's always fun going back to SpongeBob and like finding the memes. It's like, oh, yeah, there there it is. That's yeah. what it is. I like watching the, um, uh, what did I watch with you? The, uh, when uh, Squidward eats his first Krabby Patty, uh, that, yeah, that episode. Yeah. And Spon- the oh, SpongeBob yeah. with like kind of like looking sm- like smug uh, mm-hmm. meme. The stretched up face with his yep. teeth out and his eyes squinting. You like Krabby Patties, don't you, Squidward? You like Krabby I love Patties, it. All of those. Patrick with, Patrick with the nail and the board in his head is one of the best ones, I think. Best one. Um, Absolutely. That's a classic one by far. But uh, no, the, the guys, they uh, the, the two our two heroes, they get a bit of a, I guess, a, a confidence boost with these kelp mustaches. So, so much so that it gets them through the deep, dark, dangerous trench. Not Rock Bottom, but very similar to Rock Bottom. Mm-hmm. Uh, episode from, I think, season two, one or two of SpongeBob. Very similar. Similar to that, uh, they get in and out of that trench very quickly. They get they meet up with Dennis, the kind of Terminator uh, bounty hunter character.
character that we've known um, throughout the uh, the movie so far. Uh, he confronts them, and he gets crushed by the giant Cyclops boot, which is uh, this giant undersea diving suit. Uh, very creepy, uh, very much like a Finding Nemo kind of thing, though, where they get kind of scooped up and taken to uh, a gift shop on the shore. Gift shop on the shore where we see uh, Mrs. Puff's husband, Mr. Puff. Nice little uh, little callback to <laughs> an episode that came out in in, in season two where uh, Mrs. Puff says that Mr. Puff is in a gift shop. Uh, or I, I forget if she says gift shop, but that he's like dried out or something. She makes reference to the fact that he is oh. is in the gift shop, and and there he is. So a little a little callback there for for big fans. I'd be like, oh, there he is. That is Mr. Puff. Because I mean, they do when you watch it again, they do kind of leave the camera on him for like a solid second there that it's a clearly mm. like look it's mr puff so uh i thought that was really cool interesting i love that scene of the them this is kind of the um i guess kind of like the space jam or that you know bringing cartoons into the real world animation that was mm-hmm. getting pretty popular at the time uh spongebob and patrick being in this real world aquarium uh with colored rocks and real glass and real water and the rocks kind of actually moving in real life while while they uh well, the animators animate spongebob and patrick interacting with it very minimal kind of like a who framed roger rabbit yep. situation or looney tunes back in action uh going on i kind of wish that they had done more of that uh, they eventually yeah. do in the later SpongeBob films, but I, I, I wish that they had been out of the water maybe a little bit more in this film. Uh, it's very quick, and a lot of the time it's just them laying on this uh, heat under this heat lamp, where they slowly but surely dry out so that they can be turned into souvenirs. <gasps> this was a very emotional scene that I'm not gonna lie, Mike. When I was a kid, made me cry. It's it's a beautiful scene. I love it, Neil. It's yeah. uh, you honestly, as a kid, you honestly think that they might die, and of course, you also have the pirates crying, Neil. They're also crying. Yeah. And Again, I love if that. I was in that theater, Mike, I would have been so pissed. <laughs> I know. Shut the hell up. <laughs> and this is another thing I love about the movie, that they do tie the pirates back in a couple times here. They, they do go yeah. back to them. Uh, I feel like it would have been a little cheap to just start off with them and never show them again. But I do like that we're now back in the theater with them crying. And, and it and it gives a little more weight to to the, the scene, too. And, and it, it, I love it. I think it's perfect. And then when it's they're great. like, look, look, the tear. Uh, the the, the yeah. tear that they they the both shed um that, uh, as that they becomes die. hearts as they die <laughs> somehow which uh does a little rube goldberg effect uh and eventually mm-hmm. uh, ends up uh setting off the sprinkler in the gift shop turning all the animals not just patrick and spongebob but somehow all the animals in the gift shop back in uh back to their alive state and uh yeah they're pretty pissed off at the cyclops cyclops man mm-hmm. and uh start beating him up which is pretty cool so maybe mr puff does live after all neil maybe maybe we got a reunion episode sometime Ooh. in uh in those two but between episode 60 and 272 there must be an episode in there at some point where we meet maybe some of mrs puff's extended family but yeah that, that whole scene is really funny you've got the mariachi band too that he had made that come back to life and they're playing mariachi music while this in- independent business owner is just trying to run his business, gets attacked by uh, these fish. But, I mean, on their defense, he did steal them from the ocean, kill them on a, under a heat lamp, and then glue Google eyes to them. You're making Alexander um, Clam Bell. Alexander Clam Bell. <laughs> Funny. I wonder what he was going to turn SpongeBob and Patrick into. That would have been very interesting. Yeah. But, yeah, all the characters come back to life thanks to the sprinkler system. SpongeBob and Patrick, they flush themselves out onto the beach, and they have to get back home. And Mindy, at the beginning of the movie, gave them a magical bag of wind that would blow them back to Bikini Bottom once they have the crown. Kind of like a fast travel thing. 
Uh, which I think would be hilarious to bring that into the SpongeBob game if they haven't already yes. as a flat fast travel system. I think that would be hilarious. <laughs> uh, Patrick, of course, lets the bag go and it uh, just blows off into the distance and they're now screwed standing on the beach uh, with no way to get home. And but there is a good little bit. Uh, I do want to start mm. to interrupt. There is a little bit with yeah. Patrick and the bag of wins. <laughs> yes. with, when he's yes. uh, is showing his ass, basically. And uh, it's like... Uh, uh, it's a fart joke. Yeah, it's a fart, it's a fart joke, but also... What's in there? What's <laughs> bag of wind? He's got some wind in there, man. It's it's a fart. I, I always assumed it was a fart joke. It is a fart joke. A yeah, no? it is. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But it's just funny to yeah. like. It's just funny to like. I it, sure like, do. It's just yeah. like, why is there just a big block in your ass? Like, <laughs> what is what is going on there, Patrick? Yeah, I just assumed when I was a kid that he had farted a bunch and that it was just for some reason staying in his pants. The fart had congealed um, into a a, a solid block. Solid block. Yeah, I love Patrick Starr. Fantastic character. Underrated. I guess he's not underrated. He's very much rated. But uh, yeah, that was a funny little fart gag in there that they they had him do. Uh, They're now left standing on the beach with uh, no way to get home. But who should save them other than the classic Baywatch hero, David Hasselhoff, as himself running along the beach like he did in the classic 19... Is that a 70s or 80s show? 90s. Is that 90s? Yeah. Okay, cool. I thought it was way older than that. Okay, well... (laughs) He shows up and uh, he offers to uh, take them back to Bikini Bottom by swimming uh, across the ocean. And uh, this scene is at the same time incredibly weird, but incredibly iconic. Uh, You show him just doing, he's just doing the front stroke across the ocean. And then it switches to basically him being a speedboat (laughs) across the ocean, which is fantastic. That entire scene, they fight Dennis on his back. Uh, It's superimposed. They made this giant kind of clay almost like jaws basically this giant um replica of david hasselhoff where they superimposed his real face on it so it looked like a real human still and that's how they made that scene in a uh in basically an aquarium with uh, fast moving water to make it look like uh david hasselhoff was moving like a speedboat across the ocean back to bikini bottom it's and really it cool. works so well yeah, yeah. I, I would i would definitely recommend googling it and like check it out because it's it's such a a cool way that they did it uh where they yeah literally just created this body double basically uh, for him uh and and and, i mean we do have to backtrack a little bit in the sense of like why is david hasselhoff here this is so random and weird but i love it like i'm totally for it and i really can't think of something before this that did this like now things do this all the time this is a classic trope in kids Mm -hmm. cartoons or even just like other things where you just put some random star of something in a, a, a funny comedy movie or a, or something like Keanu Reeves is now that kind of thing, kind right? Of. Right, yeah. like where you just kind of throw him in something and it's funny. And that was very much the David Hasselhoff effect here. And this is one of the first times I can personally think of where this had happened. And I, I had to, we had to figure this out. Like, why was he even in this? So they did reach out to him. Um, the the SpongeBob uh, team reached out to him because of the associations with water and and the beach and everything. And they had the storyline relatively mm-hmm. planned out. And uh, he actually got convinced to accept the role because of his daughters. Uh, and his uh, his daughters Taylor Ann and Haley urged their famous dad to appear as himself in the animated film. <sighs> And Hasselhoff himself, he actually admits that the project gained him a lot of new fans. Uh, yeah. And because he he obviously first was like, who's SpongeBob? And they were like, oh, my God, Dad. Like, it's the number one cartoon in the world. you got to do it. 
And he said it was great fun, and to this day, kids around the world stop me and say, oh my god, David Hasselhoff from Spongebob, uh, instead of from Baywatch, which is obviously yeah. was you know was, is what he's known for, and Knight Rider as well from the 80s. Uh, so, like, it, it's really... It's really funny and probably something he would have never, ever expected for all these kids to know him from something like Spongebob. Yeah, it's, it's a perfect crossover and nothing anybody saw coming. This was not – I don't think it was – it might have been in the marketing. I'm trying to remember. I didn't watch a trailer so. before we started recording. He, There might have been a scene of him just saying, I'm David Hasselhoff. I hope not. This would have been a really cool surprise in the theaters. Um, I think by the time I saw the movie, I knew he was in it for whatever reason. I mm. think there might have been a cut of a trailer where he's in, the, he's in, he's in it. Um, but yeah, nowadays you can probably see these types of crossovers or uh, celebrity appearances coming from a mile away because everything is just a Marvel or a DC or a whatever you know insert franchise here crossover. Um, so you can see it coming. Uh, this is a very neat idea to put a real world celebrity into a kid's film is the, is the one that doesn't happen as often anymore. Keanu Reeves is the, um, is the one that probably makes the most sense. I think actually, now that you mentioned it, Keanu Reeves shows up in, I think it's the second SpongeBob movie, uh, as like a, a spirit. I think he's like a spirit guy or something. I forget if it's a SpongeBob movie or another one. Uh, I'll have to rewatch the first one, but I'm pretty sure he's in that one as like a basically like the David Hasselhoff in this film. And David Hasselhoff is playing himself, but he's also playing some kind of weird cyborg superpower David Hasselhoff where he has the power to swim through the ocean at 100 miles an hour and then shoots SpongeBob and Patrick back down to Bikini Bottom using his pectoral muscles as like a spaceship, uh, I guess a reverse spaceship launch to shoot them hundreds of meters down to the bottom uh, to Bikini Bottom where they can uh, they can stop Plankton who is uh, basically taken over Bikini Bottom. He's turned it into this giant Plankton utopia. They're, uh, mm-hmm. they're building uh, monuments based on his likeness and it's called Planktopolis now. SpongeBob and Patrick show up at the last minute right before King Neptune is about to uh, blast crabs into, I guess, into oblivion. They were just going to yeah. blow him up on the spot. <laughs> Public execution. I don't know what's going on. I, what, know, I don't know where this level of where this level of power came from out of nowhere in Bikini Bottom. But luckily, SpongeBob and Patrick show up at the very last second. We have a very, very nice dialogue from SpongeBob as he breaks in to one of the greatest soundtrack or one of the greatest songs in music history. I'm a Goofy Goober Rock. Absolutely iconic using classic the twisted sister uh, melody uh, uh i want to rock uh and replacing the words and just just fantastic i love that d snyder said yes to this d snyder also underrated really cool guy and uh, mm-hmm. i like to think he also likes spongebob but uh oh, really yeah. really cool that that they they break into this this song and dance and um uh there's a lot of little references as well to music videos and other things in this Basically, what it's a music video, honestly, yeah. of, in mm-hmm. itself. Uh, we have a couple things. We have at the very beginning when SpongeBob is the world in the kind of a claymation uh, style. That's uh, Peter Gabriel's Sledgehammer, uh, that famous famous music video. Patrick is in his um, his kind of stock uh, fishnets. fishnets. Thank you, yeah, his yeah. fishnets, which is Rocky Horror Picture Show. Uh, what he's referencing there. Uh, there's also, uh, I think, I think. SpongeBob's whole outfit and the way that the musical sequence is going is Tommy. Um, mm-hmm. The uh, from the, the uh, there's a Beastie Boys moment in there too, where he's busting out uh, yes. the, the, the toys from uh, I don't know what I forget what the exact moment of the song is, but there's I think it's meant to be like a Beastie Boys kind of thing where he's got the the toque yeah. on and the yeah. 
tons tons of little references which is again awesome for adults to watch this especially ones who mm-hmm. grew up in the 70s and 80s who had kids in the the 90s uh it, it's it's so it must have been so much fun i'm sure my dad had a good good laugh at at some of those uh some of those references and hearing twisted sister <laughs> um uh, i'm not sure who does the voice and who does this like the actual song for that i didn't have that information neil but uh, unfortunately oh. not tom kenny no, it's not Tom Kenny. It's a much better vocalist. I don't, and it's not Dee Snider either. But it's someone who's very similar to mm-hmm. the original Twisted Sister version. Sebastian Bach. Um, no. <laughs> maybe <laughs> could be. Uh, but yeah, they save the day. SpongeBob, the power of rock, he's able to uh, basically destroy all the brainwashing helmets that Plankton has put on everybody, including King Neptune. Uh, the power of his guitar, shredding guitar skills, just just destroys all those buckets, and uh, things go relatively back to normal. Plankton gets arrested and thrown into the uh, the little. Uh, the little police cruiser for the uh what is jail. it the prison for the small what is it again criminals. the jail for yeah <laughs> the small criminals jail service or whatever which a very specific jail service yeah. in uh, bikini bottom there just for plankton probably yep but what i love about it is i think after that scene like the ending fight scene if you'll call it that there's only maybe four to five minutes of film left and then it ends yeah i like that i love when a movie just like just end it you know it's perfect we have our ending di- ending monologue ending dialogue we find out what happens to Plankton, to Mr. Krabs, to Mindy and, and Neptune. And then it ends. SpongeBob is given the title that he's wanted for five years at this point. He is given the role of manager of the Krusty Krab 2. He jumps up. We free, freeze frame midair as we hear the greatest ween song of all time, Ocean Man, start playing as we roll the credits. It's perfect. Hey, it's such a great credit sequence there too. They show all the mm-hmm. the pictures of. Uh, they actually what they do in in the credits is or the the initial credits you can call them. Uh, they show kind of these almost look like storyboard art of uh, yeah. of SpongeBob as the manager of the Krusty Krab mm-hmm. too, which is uh, pretty cool. I like that a lot. Um, and uh, uh, and then we we do see the rest of the credits. They play a couple of songs. There's a Flaming Lips. A song in there as well and then uh we do get an end credit scene neil we do we get to finally go back to find out what happened to all of those pirates who were uh causing mayhem in the movie theater they're still sitting in the front row they're one of the the real ones who sit in the theater and wait to see all the names go past on screen and uh they're eventually kicked out by the uh the movie theater employee who's the uh the blonde girl from spider-man 2 uh, Peter Parker's neighbor, the, the skinny blonde girl who makes him uh, chocolate cake and is into Peter Parker. Anyway, uh, she's working <laughs> at the movie theater, I guess. Uh, maybe maybe this is a, a, a Spider-Man 2 in the Spider-Man 2 universe. Ooh. That would be awesome. Maybe there's a theory there. Who knows? Uh, and they're, uh, you know, they, they don't want to leave because they want more SpongeBob on screen, but of course they're forced to leave and then screen cuts to black. That's the end of the film. The I, film. I, I like what you said, though, about the, um, I guess it's like fourth wall breaking where we keep cutting back to these pirates. So you got to, like the movie is very much self-aware that it is, in fact, a film. I like that they always yeah. had that sense of uh, sense of humor about it. I love that too. Yeah, and 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 yeah. that's just another thing that just makes it so so charming. Honestly, like, wholesome, mm-hmm. charming, uh, a great fun time to watch for all ages as well. Um, it's mm-hmm. we we can't see enough about this movie. We can't, but we do have we do have to move on to our closing our closing thoughts, Mike. But before we do, I think we should probably hit the back of the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. What do you think? Yes, we should, Neil. Let's do that. All right, but first, Victor, hit us with that sweet jingle. It's time to read what's on the back of the case. There's things written on the back of the case. Let's read them. And now we're reading the back of the case. 
dive into a comedy adventure that's bigger, better, and more absorbing than the rest of the movie debut of that under-the-sea sensation, SpongeBob SquarePants. There's trouble bubbling up in Bikini Bottom. King Neptune's crown is missing, and Mr. Krabs has been accused of stealing it. Together with his best pal Patrick, SpongeBob sets out to treacherous Shell City to reclaim Neptune's crown and save Mr. Krabs. In a spectacular adventure filled with over-the-top, under-the-sea action and non-stop laughs, Featuring the voice talents of Tom Kenny, Alec Baldwin, Jeffrey Tambor, Scarlett Johansson, and special appearance by David Hasselhoff. <laughs> the SpongeBob SquarePants movie is an uproariously funny comedy. Treacherous Shell City is hard to say. It so is. I had a hard time saying that too. <laughs> the Treacherous Shell, Shell City. Shell sh It's hard to say. <laughs> Shell Shitty. <laughs> they definitely meant that. I'm sure that that was, yeah. uh, uh, that was definitely implied. But this is a classic SpongeBob film. We have since had two more SpongeBob movies. They're not related in any sense. They're all different stories. Um, so they're all standalone films for the most part. Uh, I still recommend this film as being the SpongeBob film to, oh, yeah. uh, to check out of the three, obviously. And honestly... It being kind of the last of the great SpongeBob things to watch generally. I know that, that might not be a popular opinion, especially for younger listeners or kids nowadays. But in my opinion, SpongeBob ended here, unfortunately. It was season one, two, three, this, and then a couple of video games thrown in there. But that does not take away from the fact that I think everything about this film is still high quality 20 years later. Uh, it's on Netflix, as I said at the beginning. You can also probably find this movie. I see it all the time at Value Village and thrift stores. I think billions of this movie were sold back in 2004. <laughs> so if you're yeah. listening to this and for whatever reason you haven't watched it, please go out and check it out. What about you, Mike? Do you recommend that the listeners out there check out the SpongeBob SquarePants movie? I absolutely do. I think it's one of the best animated movies of this era of course we uh, are very biased just because we would love spongebob growing up and we got to see this movie at absolute peak times i, I know you said earlier it was mm -hmm. like, like 6.9 from the critics or something or like in the 60s yeah. from the critics wow that's come on come on guys this is actually a really critically darling movie when you think about it, of how it was structured so I was really kind of upset to hear that that at the time, I guess, the critics didn't love it, but uh, or at least love it as much as the audiences uh, do, which is usually, I guess, what happens with with kids' movies and animated movies like that. But, uh, Neil, I do have a couple of, of, of fun quotes from the movie that have really stuck with me over the years. I'd like to, I'd like to read them out. Sure, yeah, please. Hit me with those quotes. Well, we have uh, bald, 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 you know, classic when King Neptune takes off his his crown and we hear, my eyes! Classic. Yeah, that classic, my eyes, that that I think is probably the funniest joke in the whole movie. It is. I, I, I can't stop laughing whenever I, whenever they yell my eyes and then he does it again later on in, in the yeah. movie and you hear my eyes, but like softer this time from someone else in the crowd. Almost as classic as the, my leg guy from the actual show my leg my leg i, like I mean, think it's the same guy i was gonna say i'm pretty sure that's kind of what they were referencing as well there was <laughs> my eyes yeah you don't need a license to drive a sandwich mm, classic <laughs> steel belt what is it steel leather no how does it i used to be able to do the entire description of the car and then <sighs> Well, I thought you didn't have your license. You don't need a license to drive a sandwich. And then he yeah, so explains the, the, so the all the features of the paddy wagon, mm -hmm. which I love. Um, I is this this is Squidward, right? It's a, I listen to public radio. 
That's Squidward. Yeah. <laughs> That's like the type of thing somebody would say these days, but they'd say it like they listen to like a podcast or yeah. something. Like I listen to Howard Stern or whatever. Like, I don't know, just anybody like that or Joe Rogan. You know, you'd get somebody like that who says that, you know, it's very like it's a bit outdated now, like saying public radio, but you'd definitely get people who say that because they listen to some, yeah. some think podcast, some think piece podcaster. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's why I, I love that one. And then two little running, well, one running gag, uh, the stubby paws running gag. That three times yeah. in the movie they do it, and then, then Blankton just keeps looking down at his hands and doesn't <laughs> his say hands. anything. <laughs> that that one I completely missed uh, when I had watched it in a couple of years ago. So it was fun uh, picking that up as like, a p- completely new gag for me uh, this time. I love the running gags against everything is, oh, everyone always takes the piss out of Plankton, no matter like how yeah. good of a plan or how smart or how confident he is. Someone will just knock him down several pegs because he's small or because he's got stubby arms or one eye or, or whatever it is. It's so good. I'm glad that they brought that to, that to the movie too. It's so good. I, it's That's one of my favorite things. And then the ending or at, basically at the ending, oh, when King Neptune accidentally uh, turns Mr. Krabs into a real boy uh, and he says, oh, oops, I had this on the real boy ending instead, <laughs> which is really <Yep>. good. <laughs> reference to Disney, basically. The only uh, Disney reference I think I could pick out from the entire yeah. thing, but I'm assuming that's what it was supposed to be a reference to Pinocchio, obviously setting it's a real boy and just a random little gag that they th- that did not have to throw in there. Um, I guess Little Mermaid as well would be the reference too for Disney with like I, I, I think, Neptune oh, and, and true. Mindy. I guess. I mean, Disney doesn't have, I feel like Disney doesn't have like a license on mermaids, but I feel like the whole real boy ending is yes. very much a Pinocchio thing. Yes. Um, but yeah, I guess you could call Mindy being like a, an aerial reference, I suppose. Yeah. But yeah, seeing Mr. Krabs as a little, as a real boy was a bit <laughs> off-putting. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't really wash that out from my eyes. That was a that was no. a bit strange. <laughs> no, but twenty years have gone by. SpongeBob is still alive and well. We still get the uh, the odd movie thrown out into theaters every four years or so. We get a new season of SpongeBob come out every couple of years. We get new video games now, thanks to the THQ Nordic buyover. They made I think they made the SpongeBob. Um, what's it called now? Uh, that the uh, cosmic 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 shake. Cosmic Shake, thank you. They make the Cosmic Shake game, which just came out. So SpongeBob is still very much a relevant franchise. Kids that were our age when the show came out still love it. It's still Nickelodeon's highest grossing franchise. It's one of the highest grossing franchises of all time, period. But it's not a franchise that has really captured the hearts of us, the original fans, in quite a long time. Uh, I don't see SpongeBob ever going back to being something that I would want to watch new episodes of, unfortunately. I'll definitely watch it passively if my kids are into it i'll definitely introduce them to the original episodes that i watched as a kid and hopefully they don't progress past that i think that would be awesome i do want to check out the new video game though the cosmic shake i've heard good things about that one and the remakes of like battle for bikini bottom Mm -hmm. i'd love for those things to keep happening but other than that that's kind of where i see the franchise going forward it's just going to be this lumbering giant uh that nickelodeon keeps using as their cash cow unfortunately which is too bad because the show started off with being such an original concept, full of heart, full of originality, great ideas, amazing animation, and it just kind of feels very much like a cookie cutter cartoon at this point. Like the writing is all very stale to me. The characters yeah. all look kind of bland. The animation is all computer generated now at this point. I don't know if it's all hand drawn anymore, which is too bad, but that's kind of where I'm at with the franchise, unfortunately. What about you, Mike? Where do you see SpongeBob going forward? Yeah, I mean, I'm basically the same way. I think our, our our hope lies in the video games. Like, the fact that we got 
Battle for Bikini Bottom remade is pretty insane when you think about that. If you told me that five years ago that Battle for Bikini Bottom was going to get remade, I'd be like, yeah, you're out of your mind. That's not happening. <laughs> but uh, yeah. it, it did, uh, thanks to a massive speedrunning community and a very large fan base that was very vocal about it. And that was really cool to see THQ Nordic actually listen to the fan base and be like, sure, we'll, we'll, we'll remake it. Uh, and I hope that we get more and more of this stuff coming up because I think it's just a fantastic idea to do those kind of uh, things. Like I'd love to give me another lights, camera, pants to give me some SpongeBob oh, yeah. party games. My my issue with SpongeBob is not even so much SpongeBob himself, but the fact that he is now lumped in almost always with the rest of Nickelodeon characters, mm-hmm. and you basically just get this like saturated game uh well i mean we think of the cart uh nickelodeon cart racers as well as the the nickelodeon all-star brawl or whatever it was called uh i mean the brawl game was just awful and the uh, cart racers (laughs) wasn't great Uh, and it, it really leaves a lot to be desired because when you think about something like the spongebob movie there was a lot of love put into this. You and I talked about on the GameCube podcast about how this honestly felt like the hit and run of SpongeBob, um, uh, with, or not just the SpongeBob movie. But what was the other one? Maybe, I guess was it Battle for Bikini Bottom that we we yeah we Battle for Bikini Bottom yeah. was the hit and run of SpongeBob. Yeah, right. Yeah, and so like like there was so much love and time and effort and put into this making this game. And I know Cosmic Shake has gotten good reviews, and and I do want to play it and and do want to experience it. So that does make me super hopeful for that side of the of the existence for spongebob but in terms of the cartoons or the movies or things they're not made for me anymore right they were always made for kids and and i think uh it's it's sad that they you know that we obviously don't have stefan hillenberg doing them and i'm probably or i'm sure a lot of the crew or i know a lot of the, the crew is gone doing other things they worked on other big animated shows like they've lent hands into regular show adventure time rick and morty so like a lot of people came from spongebob and that original spongebob uh kind of comedy and humor um but uh i mean yeah now you just you have it just as uh, as a new show really that doesn't really tie into what we grew up with which is fine that's just how it is and we'll just keep waiting for some new video games yeah i agree i would like to see nickelodeon make another great franchise i feel like the, yes. we haven't seen a great nickelodeon franchise since the early 2000s with something like fairly odd parents or danny phantom those are probably the last ones i know iCarly was a pretty big deal but nickelodeon is in there with the hanna barbera's for me where it's like man you guys whoever's whoever's handling your ip and your creative uh your creative offices needs needs a shake like there needs to be some more broad i i expect more of this ip like i would love to see some more than just the video games that we get and the movies that we get they've got such an amazing history and cast of characters going way back past spongebob 2 to like doug and uh, the cat dog and Ren and Stimpy and Rocco's Modern Life. There is so much cool things in in Nickelodeon's history. But yeah, we just get these random party games with the Ninja <laughs> Turtles are in there too randomly. It's just all very weird. Yeah. But Mike, while I'm sitting here waiting for Cat Dog and Rocco's Modern Life to come back into the SpongeBob movie when it comes out in 2025 or whatever, why don't you let listeners know what they can expect next week on episode 24 of the Unlocking What Was Cool podcast? Next week, Neil, we are not talking about Cat Dog, unfortunately. We'll go to that one day. But we are talking oh, yeah. about uh, Super Mario World, maybe the greatest game ever made. I'm just going to drop that. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it is iconic. Everyone has seen it. Everyone has experienced it in some way. It's uh, it's definitely one of our favorite games. It's uh, has cha- completely changed the landscape of gaming as well. Uh, honestly, a perfect game in every way. And 
uh, we've talked about so many good things, and we're just going to keep talking about another amazing creation uh, with Super Mario World next week. I'm so excited to talk about Super Mario World. It's my second favorite game of all time. I played it way back in the day when I was just getting into video games, and I still play it to this day. Uh, it's, the, it's, in my opinion, the best 2D platformer of all time. It's, mm. it's absolutely a delight to play. It's, I'm so excited to talk about it with you, and hopefully we'll have a few of the friends of the show join in to talk about their memories as well. It's going to be a great time, so definitely stay tuned for that episode. But until then, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to episode 23 of the Unlocking What Was Cool podcast. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. Leave us a rating and a review so we can make the show better. You can support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash unlock what was cool all patrons get the show ad free and the option to submit and vote on our monthly patreon elected episode thank you so much to everybody over there you can follow us on instagram facebook and join the weekly conversation on our discord channel share us with your friends and family tell david hasselhoff mike says hi thank you so much for the support and we will see you next week see you later Bye bye the Unlocking What Was Cool podcast is a recorded and produced show from Toronto, Canada. Our podcast is fan-funded by our listeners on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash unlocking what was cool. The show is produced, hosted, and edited by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. Additional voices provided by Victor Young. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $5 level. AJ Olson 11, Bogus Lotus, Cube Dude, Dean Donian, Joey Sirico, Marty Thompson, Sparks Fly 027, and Way Overrated. I would say David Hasselhoff in this movie is what peak male performance looks like. I think so. Yeah. Yep. Everyone mm -hmm. should basically try and become David Hasselhoff and then also insert a rocket launching mechanism between their packs. I think that that's probably the next step in the human evolution. <laughs> David Hasselhoff is the next step in the human evolution. Boom. Ooh, maybe. <laughs> yeah, there it is. <laughs>